I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, episode 88 today of this program. Grateful to you for tuning in. Uh, we've learned, learned a lot so far on the program today. It looks like uh, the state of Utah will be taking a few steps towards reopening our state for business. Uh, that is all very good for those who have been so uh, devastatingly impacted by this uh, financially, mentally. So anyway, uh, you, you know <laughs> how we've been impacted, and we might uh, we might right now be uh, taking a few little baby steps towards uh, getting back to normal. we got to uh, hold the line, though, and maintain our good social distancing and all. And, uh, you know, if you can work from home, keep that up and all. I know I'm going to until they give me the all clear to go back to work. Uh, when then, uh, hopefully I'll be able to see some friends of mine. Uh, for example, the great Boyd Matheson, who joins me uh, on the line right now. Uh, sir, how are you doing? Hey, we're doing great. Uh, missing you greatly. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely looking forward to when uh, we can take some of those baby steps and start uh, moving things forward just a little bit, get everybody back in the room and keep the dialogue going. It's, uh, let me ask you this. It's been about a month since you and I were last in the same room, uh, so, so I haven't seen your smiling face. How's your quarantine beard growing in? No, you know, no beard for me, and uh, I think I have put on the requisite 19 pounds. Oh, okay, uh, all right. I, I got that part down pretty well. Uh, but between doing uh, the TV stuff, you, you sort of have to keep the shape thing going. So. Oh, sure, sure, right, no, yeah. No beard. Right, uh, just like Ted Cruz, right? Uh, so I, 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 tried, oh. I tried a little beard, uh, uh, but it comes in patchy, and I've got uh, little bald spots here and there, and so uh, I was too ashamed even to look at myself in the mirror. So I, I've tried to stay pretty clean-shaven here. Uh, uh, in the interim. Uh, listen, uh, you and I are going to talk about a very important topic, and it's a, a topic about which you have recently written uh, a column in the, the Desert News, and I'm grateful to you for doing so. Uh, the headline is, uh, The New York Times Thinks It Knows the America We Need uh, and It Is Wrong. Uh, before we get into that, I want to remind folks of a conversation I had just the other day uh, with Rick Larson, President and CEO of the uh, Sutherland Insta Institute. And uh, the, the topic of conversation that day uh, was regarding the expansion of government uh, in, the, in times of crisis and the unfortunate reality that if we look back in history, uh, when our nation has faced crisis and government has expanded uh, as, a, as a way to react to that crisis, uh, subsequent to the, uh, you know, the receding waters of crisis, uh, that expanded government re remains at that expanded place. Let's uh, uh, hear for a moment from Rick Larson what he had to share with us the other day, and then, Boyd, you and I will chat about your column. I'm not in any way criticizing leadership and in trying I'm not in any way criticizing leadership, and in trying times, leaders must step forward. I mean, thank sure. goodness Churchill, Abraham Lincoln, other leaders have stepped up at, at moments of pure crisis. So the, the question here isn't, isn't about leadership, and especially not in the executive office. The question is when presidents do things that's out of bounds, when Truman sent troops to Korea without the consent of Congress and then created the Department of Defense and the CIA, CIA to take control of those aspects of government when Woodrow Wilson superseded con Congress and led us into World War One, 
um, when FDR expanded programs under a crisis. Backdrop was the Great Depression and World War II. But the programs that he expanded in those trying times have never gone away. Um, and it's not a partisan thing. Um, President George W. Bush did the same thing after 9-11 with the expansion of powers and, and impositions on personal freedom. That The argument is not that they weren't justified in any of these cases and many others. The argument is when the crisis is over, the programs remain. The government expansion remains. So that was the, the thesis of Rick Larson over at the Southern Institute. Uh, Boyd, sir, you in your article have a thesis of your own. Uh, share with us your thoughts, please. Yeah, uh, you know, Rick is spot on in terms of that natural progression. Uh, Jefferson probably said it best that the, the natural progress of things is for liberty to yield and government to gain ground. Uh, and in situations like this, uh, those who want a bigger government – uh, that's centralized, that's pulling a lot of the strings uh, in all aspects of our lives and the economy uh, are going to take advantage of that. Uh, the thing that's been on my mind, again, following this, uh, just a stunning editorial board uh, piece by the New York Times saying, hey, we, we know the America we need, and it's, a, it's based on a really big government. Uh, and to me, if our cure for COVID-19 is that we, we lose civil society, uh, and we eliminate individual freedom, uh, any success we have in eradicating the disease is going to be a complete failure in the end. Because the, the real thing is, and, uh, and Lee, you worked for a guy who's a Federalist guy, uh, who knows that when we start to have that muscle, that muscle of neighbor helping neighbor in need, of people reaching out, not because the government tells them to, but because that's what we do as Americans, when that muscle starts to atrophy, uh, that's when we lose the essence of who we are as a country, as Americans. Uh, you know, we, it's the old days, uh, someone's barn bird burns down, the whole community comes together and you, you raise the barn. Not because the government said so, it's because of, of who we are and what we do. Uh, and so if we start to look, uh, looking to Washington, if Washington is the only place we believe can solve big problems, uh, we have a big problem. And it's, and it's actually not the, the politicians' problem. It's the we the people problem. Uh, we're acquiescing. We're yielding to Washington and saying, yeah, we'll, we'll let Washington solve it or we'll let the state solve it or we'll let this agency solve it. Uh, I, I am one of those who firmly and passionately believes that it's community and culture that leads and the politicians will follow. It's been that way from the, from the very beginning of this country. You, you, you phrased the idea you have just summarized so well in your article. I want to read your words back to you verbatim. Uh, it causes the muscle of mutual commitment and common good to atrophy and the inherent interconnected social tissue of the American people to wither away. Uh, the words are not only beautiful, uh, so too uh, I feel and agree with you that uh, the idea contained within uh, is poignant and important. And uh, it is not necessarily, uh, I think, indicative of, of our need to point fingers. Uh, this idea that you characterize here, uh, it can happen unwittingly. We need to be, uh, I think, self-aware of the freedoms that we sometimes give away. Uh, and sometimes if it is someone, uh, you know, in a, in a uh, nicely white starch shirt and a tie, uh, speaking in a big booming voice, explaining to us the necessity for uh, relinquishing some of our freedoms and liberties, uh, it may uh, be hard for us to think critically about that. But it is imperative uh, that we do so uh, or else we are going to fall victim to the exact idea uh, that you describe here, the muscle of mutual commitment uh, atrophying and withering away, and we end up being uh, – yeah. People living under a, a, an inappropriately expanded state of government. 
Yeah, and I, I think it, it's so vital. Government clearly has a role. In the middle of a pandemic, absolutely, government at every level has a role to play, to be sure. Uh, and, and I am one of those. Uh, I know this is hard for some people to hear, but I actually agree with Hillary Clinton on one thing. Uh, uh, so, sorry, sorry, we're, bre- we're breaking up here. I, I don't know what's going on, boy. Technology, it's weird. I don't know. I'm sorry. What now? It, it, it does take a, it takes a village, but we got to be really clear that the village is not the government. <laughs> the village is not the government. What we do together is not government. Uh, what we do together is civil society, and I know we don't use that term in glowing ways very often anymore because it's, it's a little antiquated, I guess. Uh, but it's what we do here in Utah. It's the fact that we have a great free market economy. We have these institutions of civil society and that we have volunteer organizations, religious groups. We have businesses that give back to the community. You've been talking about them every day for four weeks. We give back. We engage. We help a neighbor in need. We have fifth graders who stand up to a bully for a friend uh, because that's what we do. That's the village. The village is not the government. Uh, and as long as we remember that, government does have a role to play, and it can play it, and it should play it really well, transparently, with accountability, and then everything else we can take to the community, to the neighborhood, uh, and, and to individuals. Our responsibility in this pandemic is to make sure we're not only taking care of ourselves and those in our household, in our neighborhood, but we're, we're reaching out to that neighbor in need, that we're lifting other people up, because that's what has made this the most extraordinary nation on earth. And if we lose that, in this process, we will have lost all. And so that's where we got to go this weekend is what are we going to do about it? Not We can't look to Washington to solve it. We can't look anywhere in government to solve it. What am I going to do today to make a difference? 100%. Uh, Boyd Matheson, sir, I'm grateful to you. I'm going to post uh, on my Facebook page a link to this column of yours. I want folks to go there and read it. Uh, particularly want them to pay attention to the fable of Billy and Bobby. Uh, Go check that out. Uh, uh, Some wise words written by the great Boyd Matheson, host of Inside Sources, also the opinion editor of the Deseret News and a good friend of mine. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you uh, about some important stuff, and it has to do with Facebook and hoaxes that are running rampant on that social media platform and where the responsibility of you and me comes in. That's ahead on Life Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.